0: And I think what we're seeing now as a challenge to businesses is actually a realization that a broader set of skills are required. And we're seeing a much greater focus on things like resilience, adaptability, skills that aren't so task and role delivery based, but more environmental based. The people that we need within our business need to have developed a set of skills outside just their ability to deliver their job.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 47 of The Future of Work. The podcast that looks at every aspect of work in the future and as always it's brought to you by Wonder. We release two podcasts a month featuring industry experts and thought leaders discussing how work is changing and evolving. I'm Doug Folks and as always I'm with Wonder CEO Claire Haydar.
2: Claire, how are you this week? Doug, so good to be back here with you again. Honestly, I'm a bit tired today. I, I flew for seven hours yesterday, so I'm tired, but in a good way. Did that make your arms ache?
1: Oh, flew, oh.
2: Yeah, well, I flew, but yes, it does make your arms <laughs> ache, because when you're a student pilot, you don't yet know how to control that stick properly, and so you end up exerting way more force than you should, because you're not trimming correctly yet. And you must concentrate so much. That that's the piece that tires you so much because I don't yet have the I don't yet have that pilot stamina.
1: Claire, we need to get on. This week we caught up with employment lawyer and partner at Lewis Silken, Lucy Lewis. We had a great conversation and we both learned a lot. Why did you invite her onto the podcast?
2: Doug, I have to reiterate and say that Lucy's conversation was definitely right up there with Some of the favorites that you and I have had. Um, She's sharp. She's really sharp. She is an employment lawyer. I mean, that is, you know, they run a global HR um, consulting firm and employment um, law firm. There's just such a big shift happening in employment law right now. I felt, you know, we have to bring somebody with this area of expertise in. We need to... Have somebody be able to talk us through specifically the legislative changes that are happening, and I think that's the most exciting piece of this conversation. Like you know, we had our our three different segments in the, in the conversation with her, where we were looking at the trends that she and you know her partners are seeing across the customer base right now. You know, what are the recurring issues that they're seeing from an employment law perspective, and then we kind of you know segue the conversation from there into the practical applications of how companies are going to have to restructure the way they think about benefits and think about, you know, how they employ people, where they employ people. And I think for me, one of the, the core parts of this conversation that people will really be able to walk away with is the concept of the right to work and how that is shifting and changing and what that means for employers today. Sure, we get stuck into the podcast? Yes, definitely. Lucy, hi. It is so good to have you here with us. Thank you.
0: It's really great to be here. It's such an interesting time, isn't it? And lots to talk about.
2: If there is any group of people who have really been working extremely hard over the last 24 months, it's employment lawyers. So starting us right off, Lucy, you run your own podcast as well. And you've brought some really interesting business leaders into that. And then naturally, there's all of the clients that you guys service you know, in your own law firm. Can you share with us what some of the most reoccurring trends are that you've seen business leaders having to make in terms of decisions over the last 24 months? Yeah, it's a great question because it's been such a
0: fascinating time, hasn't it? We've sort of seen an arc, an evolution of strategic planning and business organization over the last 24 months you know it started with crisis management and for both most, most business leaders you know they've never been in a time of real crisis management and um, we then kind of saw uh, as if you like an almost business as normal let's just deal with the here and now let's not think about the strategic planning for the future and now we find ourselves in this really interesting moment I think where business leaders are starting to think, okay, well, now we need to look and plan for the future. And for me, what's really fascinating about that is, you know, I, like you, have been talking about the future of work for quite a long time, you know, pre-pandemic, lots of years pre-pandemic. And we find ourselves in the moment that from a strategic perspective, the future of work is here and now and the, and the decisions businesses make here and now are really going to impact the future. I, I talk quite a lot about business leaders having this once in a generation opportunity to really reshape how they work. And so when we look at themes and trends, I actually think the most interesting time is probably the, the last three to six months, You know, the time where we've come out of that crisis response. And one of the most interesting themes that I see is this idea that businesses now are really determined that they've got to have this higher purpose or higher value, that they've got to reshape their strategic business plans to be more purposeful. That's one of the things I think that's come out of the pandemic. And from a themes perspective, we see that in a number of ways. Um, You know, it's a good time to be talking about the climate crisis and sustainability with with COP26 there's an expectation that business leaders are going to to be active in that that their strategic business planning will have a sustainability purpose we see it from a diversity and inclusion perspective you know businesses are expected to have a view on diversity and inclusion they're expected to take a stance they're expected to act responsibly this idea of strategic business decisions coming from this higher purpose essentially of being a responsible business um and the other the other theme i think we've seen through the pandemic and actually this is if you go back further back over the last 24 months. But I think it's something we'll see moving forward is a real focus on well-being. What does well-being look like? What are our responsibilities as businesses to ensure the well-being of our employees? And we're seeing a much greater focus on
2: that, a strategic focus, if you like, rather than just a reactive focus. You summarized it perfectly in terms of, you know, these three phases that, that companies have essentially gone through. And I'm so happy to hear that the strategic focus has, emerged most strongly from that last phase, which is the reinvention, re-looking at ourselves. And as you say, it's a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And to hear that that is actually where the majority of the major themes are emerging is, is music to my ears. Very happy to hear that. It's this moment in time that businesses
0: have to say the decisions that we make now, and there's lots of things that we can talk about. We come on, I'm sure, to talk about you know how employees work, where they work from, the hours that they work. There's a moment to, to reinvent that, and we won't get that opportunity again. I, I think the really successful businesses are going to be the ones that are brave in those decisions.
1: You see, I'm going to jump in and say uh, hello. Good evening for me and you, I think. yes, hey, good morning for you. Yeah. I have my own small business, so I wouldn't call myself a business leader in the same sense that you're talking about. So my questions are maybe going to focus on a slightly different area. Apart from the trends, what would you say are the main two or three issues or recurring issues that have cropped up over the last sort of 24 months or or even the last six months, as you were talking about earlier?
0: Again, great question. And actually, you know, you saying you're a small business, it, it reflects one of the trends. You know, we talk particularly in the US about the great resignation, but, you know, more broadly, there is a war on talent. There's a view that people are reconsidering what they want their future to be. And a number of those people are saying, actually, we'll step out of the corporate environment. We'll do our own thing. We'll set up our own business. So that disruption, whether we call it the re- Great Resignation, whether we talk about it as people you know, being empowered to to have more control over their careers and their work-life balance. But what we're seeing is it's creating a war on talent. And that, that, that actually creates a really interesting dynamic. It's driving quite a lot of those bigger strategic themes where I talk about businesses needing to act with purpose. In part, that's driven by um, the war on talent. So that that's probably the first thing. The other thing I, that we've seen, I think this has been really interesting, and this has kept employment lawyers busy, is how you manage health data. And, you know, more recently, that's focused on how you manage vaccination and how you manage testing data. But, you know, we've always, to a greater extent, pretty much on a global level, and some countries have have had a more permissive approach than others, but we've always stood back a bit from health data. And now employers find themselves in a position that actually they're having to look at things like, you know, should we be mandating vaccination? Should we be requiring testing? And that's quite an uncomfortable area for for most employers. It's difficult morally. It's difficult because it involves quite a lot of data, like what do you do with all this health data? What's allowed within the framework of collecting data? So that I think has been a really big challenge. And for me, it will be interesting to see whether it evolves into something that means that employees are more generally happy to share information about health-related issues in work. But that's been a key challenge. And the other one is slightly broader. And Doug, I don't know if you've experienced this in your business, but I think across bigger corporate businesses, there's been a focus on skills and redefining the skills that businesses want and businesses need. And I think pre-pandemic, there was a real focus on I guess, task-orientated skills. What are the the skills that people need to deliver the tasks that they do in their job? They need good communication um, skills, for example. And I think what we're seeing now as a challenge to businesses is actually a realization that a broader set of skills are required. And we're seeing a much greater focus on things like resilience, adaptability, Skills that aren't so task and role delivery based, but more environmental based, the people that we need within our business need to have developed a set of skills outside just their ability to deliver their job.
1: Your last comment goes back to your earlier statement about what you were thinking, we were thinking of as the future of work pre-pandemic is right there with us now. Just doing the job isn't enough because that ultimately that's going to go away.
0: Yeah, and I think many businesses, and we've talked actually quite a lot about this within the Future of Work Hub, many businesses from a strategic perspective were focused on what we used to call business planning, essentially trying to predict what was around the corner and plan for it. Now, And the thing that we've learned from the pandemic and the real shift has been that actually that kind of planning, that kind of strategic business making focused on essentially trying to predict the future is you know is impossible and actually what you need to do is plan to be prepared you need to be able to respond to to what's around the corner the things that you might not be expecting and that shift in dynamic is quite interesting business leaders taking a step back and saying well actually maybe that kind of corporate strategy of our five year plan is going to be this based on our reading of the market needs to be a broader strategy focused on well actually how can we as a business ensure that we have Got everything we need to be able to respond to the unexpected. And a lot of that is in the people. What are the skills our leaders need? What are the skills that the people that we rely on to deliver the services in a service focused uh, business? What are the skills that they need? And I think that dynamic is shifting. It's shifting to be more adaptable, um, more resilient, better able to respond to, to crisis, really able to respond to a fast moving pace of change.
2: I want to go down a little bit of a rabbit hole with you there Lucy if we can come back to the to the health data piece as you say this is it is such a gray area and it's it's a really tricky area for companies to be navigating right now you know like what are the the frameworks or the guardrails that you as an employment law firm have provided to your customers you know is is there a framework that a business leader listening to this podcast can go okay, that's a good way for me to help my leadership team or my shareholders think through this issue. One of the things that's really interesting about health data, and it's indicative of a,
0: a broader challenge for business leaders, is that many businesses are global in nature. Many businesses want to take a global approach to things like, let's say, vaccination, because that's the most obvious thing. We want to take a principled stand. You know, Many businesses, particularly U.S. headquartered businesses, want to say, that we will mandate vaccination because that's in the greater public good. But actually, it's really difficult to put in place those guardrails because globally the rules on these things are very different. And you know, even within the, you know, the part of the world where I am, you know, across continental Europe, we have very different approaches to things like that. So I think the answer to the, the question about the guardrails is actually you have to take a step back from that. In, instinctive desire to be global and actually say that the way that people feel about this is quite culturally different across different parts of the world and you do need to engage on a local level and that local engagement i think needs to cover two things what are the mandatory laws in those countries and most of the requirements are data related requirements and they're not the same across the world but actually this bigger cultural piece that You know, with the pace of globalization, we sometimes think of ourselves as being quite similar. And then you come across something, and vaccination is a good example where culturally you realize that we're really, there are really big differences. And the thing that we've learned in our work are the businesses that have succeeded in having, you know, as an example, good and strong vaccination policies are the ones that get it right culturally. They engage in the right way. So in the UK, as an example, successful businesses would probably not want to mandate vaccination culturally, we're instinctively opposed to being told what to do in the UK, but to engage (laughs) with employees about why you're doing it, why it's important, why you're encouraging people to do it and invite people to come and explain to you if they don't fall into that category, that's really successful. But that model, you know, a lift and shift of that model would obviously be less successful in other countries. And it's a really good example of cultural differences and the challenges in having a
2: one-size-fits-all approach to, to issues. Lucy, that's really, it's, it's profoundly wise on many levels, what you've just shared. And if I can translate that back into... The U.S., for example, and even if I if I just look at like the greater, you know, Pan-Asia region, I think what I'm about to say for the U.S. would apply there as well is that the U.S. is essentially, when it comes to an issue like this, the equivalent of 50 different states and 50 different cultures, you know, it, it literally is, you know, like people think of the us as one big country but it actually isn't you know what i mean the culture on the east coast is so vastly different to the culture on the west coast and if you go to the west coast just the north and the south and the difference between those there's there's vast cultural difference there so so using culture as a a north star you know to and where you're saying you know go down to the grassroots level there and really engage at that level is it's harder work i think a company needs to prepare itself for needing to resource to do that but ultimately, it's going to yield greater benefits for the company rather than a centralized approach. Yeah, I
0: think that's right. And when we look at culture, and we haven't talked about it, but culture is part of that that idea of businesses wanting to define a broader purpose. My view, again, about the successful strategic adoption of those policies is that you're able under a broader umbrella to set out, this is our, our wider purpose. You know, this is our goal from a sustainability perspective this is how we intend to respond to the climate crisis but allow the implementation of that to be adapted on a local level and you're right that does require a greater investment in resource but i think the successful businesses are the ones that do that but i think there can definitely be a global alignment
1: lucy just before we move away from the sort of the first part around trends could you tell us what if we could call it, the easy to change things that companies have been doing? What has sort of been the the quick wins, if you like?
0: So I think if I try to answer that in the context of the themes I've given, I mean, the, the easiest quick win and the one that we see most often won't come as a surprise to anyone is embrace flexible working. And I mean that in the context of where people work so that, you know, the move out of cities to the country away from you know, traditional places of work, the hours that people work, how they manage their life around their work, so how they manage their childcare, their elder care responsibilities. So looking, looking in a much more open way, at flexible working, we're seeing that anyway. I'd be surprised if anybody listening isn't doing that. And then some of the things that we're seeing, trying to give some specific examples of things that I think are quick wins, but businesses might be less focused on. We're seeing quite a lot of work around diversity and proactive steps in terms of policy. So looking at the equality between parents of parental leave. So, you know, how much pay and leave do you allow mothers as opposed to fathers? That's a you know an area that potentially is a quick win in businesses. Looking at diversity of short lists and hiring and ensuring that you have a broad contextual approach to Experience, we're seeing a lot more work, a lot of investment around diversity, particularly on recruitment. And then, similarly, and again, I I think this possibly won't come as a surprise to anybody, but we're seeing quick wins around the climate crisis and sustainability, particularly around travel policy. So, the kind of um, meetings that people need to travel for, the sorts of things that people would now be putting on on Zoom. I mean, if you look at that theme about acting with purpose around the climate crisis and sustainability. We're doing a lot of work in the space of, you know, travel policies, expenses policies, you know,
2: cutting down carbon emissions through travel. I can actually speak to the diversity one um, from our lens. Interestingly enough, before the whole, you know, movement really became a thing it started as unrest, but it actually then became a true movement at a global level. You know, last year around George Floyd's death and and everything like that, that sprung up from that. But prior to that in the company, we actually, myself and my co-founder Tracy sat down and we were just like, you know, we're a small company. This doesn't have to be a huge scientific study in terms of, oh, this is our policy and we're going to write it up and everything. It's just like, no, these are just, a set of basic principles that we would like the entire team to be cognitive of when they're sitting in an interview. You know what I mean? And and we're going to send this to our recruiting team and say, be mindful of this. Look out for this. We want this, you know. And it's interesting how just having that conversation – disseminating that information at a very simplistic level across the company has brought a level of awareness that wasn't there before. We were all very diversity conscious as individuals, but because it had never been collectively stated across the company, you couldn't actually just see it coming to life in the company and now you can see it, you know. So I think that's a very important point that you've made there around it is actually a quicker win than some people might think it is.
1: So that brings us to the end of part one of this podcast. Be sure to check out the other two parts of our conversation with Lucy on Spotify, Google or Apple Podcasts, or on Wonders website. That's WNDYR.com. From Claire and myself, we'll see you soon.